You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Eric Larson, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Will Hoffnick and we're here for another episode of the Epic Marvel Crossover Podcast. Podcast, 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 podcast. As I said, I'm Will and I'm here with my partner, Jim. Hey, what's going on? Jim Mason here. Uh, Will has yet to get rid of me, so uh, <laughs> keep the positive comments coming. Clap in the background if you want Jim to survive the end of the play. And uh, you thumbs know, up, thumbs down, thumbs, thumbs, thumbs down. Oh no, right. <laughs> are you not entertained? <laughs> All right. That's a really Scott reference for you kids out there. <laughs> anyway. All right. So we're back here with another episode of the Epic Marvel crossover cast, as I already said. And um, wah, wah, yep, wah, today wah, we're going to we're going to have a number of animals all around us for today's crossover oh. talk. Uh, we are going to have uh, d- we're going to have spiders, ducks and dragons. Oh, my. <laughs> Do they yeah. even make that cereal anymore? Uh, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be great? You know, a little uh, marsh mellow ducks and spiders and gotta remind me of the taste of mr t cereal oh. remember that one <laughs> eat my cereal mr t <laughs> all right so <laughs> it's already going off the rails yeah today, it's kids. okay well you know in in a day when we're talking about steve gerber he has a long history going off the rails oh my god so, so i mean we're really honoring the man's memory no it, it is yeah yeah all all we really need is, is an elf with a gun to show up and then we'll be <laughs> then we'll be set hey who's that little guy over the oh it's <laughs> Cat. Okay, we're good. Yeah, a cat good. with a gun. That'll work for our purposes. That's, that's a different company's character. I think. So, uh, so if not, I'm making it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You better copyright that one, or else Marvel will try to steal it from you. We're going to talk about a, a very particular crossover today. So, so each episode, if, if you if you're new to the show, each episode we kind of break down a, a certain intercompany crossover with Marvel and some other company, um, and kind of kind of just talk about it, break it down, see how it goes, what, what's good and what isn't about it. So Yeah, and this is what's really interesting about this is that it's not an official crossover, but it definitely happened. Yes. It so the, happened, and it, well, I'll, I'll let well, you explain, Will, because honestly, I'm still trying to track this. And, yeah, yeah. It's and a I'm a strange. comic book fan. It's a and little I'm strange. Con- yeah. So, so it, it actually, in, in a weird way, it is an official crossover. So yes. it was sanctioned, right? So what we're going to talk <laughs> about today is two issues. One of them put out by Marvel. Um, one of them put out by Image. So the first issue... Let me pull it up here. I believe it's the 1995 Marvel team-up. 96, 96, excuse me. But it's Marvel team-up number five. That's right. Spider-Man, no, Spider-Man team-up. Spider-Man team-up, excuse me. Yep. And the the main story is Spider-Man and Gambit. Right, right. And then... It, and then the backup story is a Howard the Duck story. That's right. Right, featuring Spider-Man. Right. Okay. Right. Then there was a crossover between Eric Larson's Savage Dragon mm-hmm. from the Image Comic imprint, 
um, where he crossed over with Steve Gerber's creation, later creation, I should yep. say, yep. Uh, Destroyer Duck. Right. That, uh, Destroyer Duck is actually a Steve, yeah, a Steve Gerber uh, and Jack Kirby. Jack creation. Kirby. Right. Jack Kirby uh, provided covers for that comic. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, did he do the interiors? I on believe that? he penciled them. Okay. I believe he did. I think you're right. And that was uh, in the old Eclipse Comics days. Yes, it was. Yes. Uh, so the, the, both these issues are written by Steve Gerber. So what do you, what do you got on Steve Gerber, Jim? What, what can you tell us about him? Um, Steve Gerber, uh, God rest his soul, he uh, was born September 20th, 1947, passed away February 10th, 2008. I'm reading from the Wikipedia entry. Uh, he was an American comic book writer, best known for co-creating the satiric Marvel Comics character, Howard the Duck. Right. And yeah, that's uh, putting it mildly. But man, he worked on some really cool Bronze Age properties over at Marvel as well, including my favorite, Omega the Unknown, mm-hmm. which was a weird book. Uh, he also created Diamond Hellstrom, the son of Satan over that's at right. Marvel Comics Presents. He worked on the Defenders, Marvel's... Look... Don't buy the hype. The X-Men are is like high school superheroes. The real weird superhero team of the 1970s was the Defenders. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. had a run on that book. Uh, he had a run on the original Guardians of the Galaxy, Daredevil, and Fool Killer. Right. And was, now, now, I mean, he did a ton of stuff, right? But what he was one, I mean, really what made him a name yes. was his run on Man-Thing. Oh, right? God. How, I mean, this... Okay, so you want to talk about the worlds of parallel creations. <laughs> if I remember the story correctly, Steve Gerber and Len Wein were, if they were not roommates, they, they were in the same apartment building in New York City. So somebody can fact check me on that. But basically, they were talking about swamp monsters mm-hmm. one day. And essentially, Len Wein went off to D.C. to create Swamp Thing with Bernie Wrightson and then... I don't know the artists that Steve Gerber worked with on Man Thing. Maybe you do. Well, um, well. So he didn't create Man Thing, right? Oh, so, but he he was famous for the who, run on Man Thing. Who it was, who was it that created Man it's, Thing? It's credited to Stanley, Roy Thomas, Conway. Roy Thomas. Yeah, yes, yeah. And Jerry, Jerry Conway, Conway and Gray yep. Morrow. Those guys. Right. Those guys. It was it was Conway and Roy Thomas. Right. And Len Wein, who are all roommates right, right. at the same time. So I was confusing Steve Gerber for that. But basically, Steve Gerber worked on a ton of stuff and did the definitive man thing. Right. Yeah, yeah he, he, was, he was kind of, I like to say he's kind of that prototype for what happened a lot like in the late 70s and 80s, which was, let's take a guy and put him on kind of a not very popular title and yep. just let him do whatever he wants, and, right? And have the editor look the other way. Right, right. And this is, <laughs> this is how we got into... The Steve Gerber's kind of man thing run. Well, where this all connects in, in our larger story here is that I'll get the ball of yarn <laughs> and the bulletin board. Hang yeah, on, I'll yeah, be right, right back. Right, right. So where this all connects is that during this run, um, Steve Gerber created a number of weird offbeat characters. Right, kind of funny. I mean, really, just strange things that he would go all around, like weird kind of. It, it gained a real cult following for kind of the weird creativity. Oh yeah. And one of the things that he created in that run was a character called Howard the duck um who was literally a duck named howard right that was it <laughs> yeah just he was and, he, and he was most he was most i mean 
he was he was a it was it was a spoof of Donald the Duck, right? It was supposed it, to be a Donald, Donald the Duck, Duck parody, Daffy, right? uh, not Daffy, yeah, Donald yeah. Duck, Disney. Um, <laughs> wow, that is uh, that's <laughs> I just discovered, you know, just thought of how ironic that absolutely is. Um, we could get a Donald Duck, da- uh, Howard the Duck crossover. I know now. we could, yeah, we could. Well, and see, here's the interesting part of this. Yeah. So we haven't gone into to the to the there there was a uh, in the seventies there was a lawsuit between Disney and Marvel over the Howard the Duck design. Oh my gosh! Um, in which in which uh, Disney got the rights to redesign Howard the Duck for yep. Marvel in a really weird kind of kind of ruling by the courts. Yep. But anyway, he um, looked but to, truth be told, he looked a lot like Donald Duck. Right, he did. But it was supposed to be a parody, right? Well, it was supposed yeah, to be a, he was a, he was wearing a suit, he had a fedora, he mm-hmm. chomped on a cigar as many Marvel heroes did back yep. in the day. And and what's interesting now is because now that Disney owns Marvel, could they go back to the old design, right? 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 Like where's the line? Where can what can they do with Howard well, now that it's all under one roof? Oh, Bob Iger's not going to let that happen. Yeah, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. so, so we got this duck. He's a duck. He munches a scar and he makes wisecracks. That's yeah. basically his entire character, yep. right? Am I missing something? Like, no, that's it. That's yeah. it. Uh, but, you know, and, and when we're talking about satirical works, like, you know, Howard the Duck comes from a, a he came through a dimensional portal in the pages of Man-Thing. Mm-hmm. Man-Thing, as we know, is the mindless muck monster that defends the nexus of all realities. Mm-hmm. And he came through the nexus and could not get back home, so he had to make himself at home on Marvel Earth, mm-hmm. the 616, the main Marvel continuity Earth. So it was, it was Gerber's way, especially when he was writing Howard in his own series from my, my, and again, I am going way back, so I can't even give you, cite you real stories, but, but from what comics history teaches me or taught me is that, you know, they were able to view the world through the lens of a guy who comes from a world of ducks where everybody pretty much gets along because they, they're all ducks, you know, they all walk in line with each other Mm -hmm, and all mm -hmm. this. And you just can't understand, you know, you know, humans. But at the same point, uh, he, uh, like many characters in the 1970s is attracted to the female form. Of course. Uh, I think it was it Beverly Beverly. Yes. Yes. That was his girlfriend. His, what, what is it about Marvel characters and their redheaded girlfriends? We got Scott Summers, right, right. we got Peter Parker, we got Howard the Duck. It was Beverly Switzler. Switzler. Yeah. Switzler. I knew but yes, he, yes, yeah. So he walked around Good with a kid human, from Long Island. with a with a, a curvy, curvaceous human girlfriend. Right? She yeah. might as well have been. In fact, they parodied parodied. Uh, the Red Sonia comic right. that Marvel right. was putting out at the time by putting Beverly in the chainmail bikini yep. on a cover, <laughs> yep. which was awful. I remember that. Uh, anyway, please take it from me. Sure. So, so Steve Gerber created a number of characters. He was the 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 uh, the guy who is credited with creating Howard the Duck. Now, yes. in turn, in the in the early eighties. Um, Marvel decided that they wanted to start using Howard the Duck in other properties and having other writers maybe work on him. Um, and in turn, this caused kind of some, this caused an issue, a, a battle for ownership over, right. over who owns the character of, of Howard the Duck, right? Um, Steve Gerber, 
um, was eventually fired from Marvel doing doing Howard the Duck. And once they started trying to license him for other things, uh, he ended up filing a lawsuit, right? Yeah. He basically claimed ownership. He created Howard the Duck. He wanted to have some kind of ownership rights over that. And there was kind of a cultural flashpoint happening in the comics right. community at this time. Um, you know, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster... Um, the guys who created Superman, whom we would not have superhero comics in no, any form right. today without, um, were in the midst of a very heated war, uh, lawsuit with DC Comics, who had just been acquired by Warner Brothers mm-hmm. um, or Warner, yeah, Warner, yeah, Warner Media, or whoever, Warner yeah. Time Warner, something. It was it was essentially Warner Brothers, um, but they were they were uh, bought out by a large media corporation. Anyway, so, and then uh, Siegel and Schuster were being advised by Neil Adams, Mm -hmm. who uh, lost a lot of work uh, because of of his advocacy for uh, those guys, but helped them. But Neil Adams was, I mean, he was a a creator's rights guy, but he was also the kind of, that he could speak out and still was secure in his job. Exactly, because he was Neil Adams. He was Neil Adams. You know, and I mean, this is, he was doing this at the same time he drew pretty much Superman Muhammad Ali. So, which you look, kids. If you've never read that comic book before, don't laugh. Go read it. It's, it's one of the best. It's still, comics it's ever still. Made. I mean, we talked about it on a previous episode yeah. a little bit. That it's. I mean, it's still one of the Mount Rushmore's of, of crossover. We comics. are going to cover it one day. <laughs> um, but this is this is taking place during or just after that cultural flashpoint. Right. In in the comics, yeah, community. I mean the battle of creator rights. The is really, battle this of creator kind of, rights. Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but you also had a lot of eyes on people like Jack Kirby were getting more ballsy speaking out. You know, Jack for, Kirby, who was inspired by the Siegel and Schuster right. suit. Kirby just wanted his original pages back. Right. And Marvel is like, no, we own that. And he's like, well, who bought the Bristol papers? So that was the crux of that argument. Right. So Steve Gerber, who who as a younger man was empowered mm-hmm. by those the, by those fights and and a lot of the fights that that we are still learning about now, right? Um, he decided he's like, no, they didn't tell me about any of this stuff in the contract. They glossed over everything. And he went after his rights. He, right. he became a fighter for creator rights at a very young yep. age, comparatively. And he 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 then around this time also was one of the founding of the the kind of the creators' bill of rights and yes. the creators' guild, right? Or I the, think him and, and Frank Miller got together mm-hmm. really early on that, and Neil Adams was yep. involved, and, and people like Dave Sim were yep. involved, right? Like yep. it was very uh, a lot of the a lot of the indie creators that had kind of sprung up kind of in the late seventies and eighties that really were. I mean, they were, they were, these were the guys that were influenced by Kirby, and right? Some of these and they guys saw were, the way Kirby was treated. Right. Some of these guys were socialists or, or outright, you know, hippies during the sixties mm-hmm. when they were growing up and who loved counterculture, who being part of the counterculture was really into, uh, uh, you know, art into the doing comics for the art. You know, that's right. where it came from. It came from those guys like Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams. Mm-hmm. You've heard us beat this drum a million times. Well, okay, you've heard this, us beat this drum on five different <laughs> previous episodes. But what I'm trying to say is if you knew me, we would be talking about oh, this yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. I talk creator rights all the time. All the time. And it's absolutely imperative. And Steve Gerber, honestly, was one of the 
earliest torchbearers mm-hmm. for that movement. Yep. And so he essentially launched a lawsuit against, um, he, he filed what was a copyright infringement lawsuit against Marvel yep. and their parent company at the time. Um, and no, it was just Marvel. Marvel was wholly owned. Okay. It was, um, I'll have to do some research, but I believe Marvel didn't have a parent per se because it was not a publicly traded corporation. Um, so I will do some yeah, I'm research not sure. I on think, that. Yeah, I think, I think that they were, I think they were owned by someone else at this point. I think that they sold, cause they sold when Goodman sold them in, in the late sixties right. or early seventies. But it was, it was not a publicly traded company. Well, so. yeah, yeah. That's probably, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they weren't publicly traded until what, like nineties or something. Uh, uh, late 90s? Yeah, late um, 90s. But yeah, so he filed lawsuit uh, and he tried to claim sole ownership over his character, right? Um, it was a little bit of a contentious lawsuit. There was a lot of back and forth. There was creators taking sides. Um, during this time, though, in 1981, while this lawsuit is ongoing, he teams up with who we mentioned earlier, Jack Kirby. Yep. And he creates this character for Eclipse Comics called Destroyer Duck. Okay. So um, Destroyer Duck's one of our other topics, uh, a part of our duck. It's part of the, the, what should we say? The battle for the duck. Right, right. The duck battle here. So um, to give a little bit of an idea of who Destroyer Duck is, this, this is a little bit different. It's kind of, it's again, it's Steve Gerber playing on his own creation of Howard the Duck. But instead, um, this tells the story of a guy named Duke Duck. Um, he's another anthropomorphic duck character. He's got like a metal arm. Um, he's like... He's like, he, he so uses another, guns. Yeah, he uses guns. He's got like a knit, like skull cap. Right, right. Uh, he's, uh, oh, another cigar chomping yeah, he's duck. More like he's more like an action hero He's sort version. of like if you get like, if you take Nick Fury and Cable and mm-hmm, mix mm-hmm. him with a duck. Right, right, with Howard. Yeah. yeah. And so what happened in Destroyer Duck story is, and th- this is this is classic Steve Gerber, right? So... Destroyer Duck story is that Destroyer Duck, Duke Duck, had witnessed his best friend called the little guy vanish into thin air before his eyes. He finds out um, uh, later, years later, the little guy reappears at Duke's feet and tells him a story about how he was essentially a slave and was explored. Uh, um, exploited by some by a company called God Corp. Um, and so Duke Duck, swearing revenge, vows to take down God Corp, you know, do whatever he can to take down God, God Corp, which, of course, the whole metaphor is that the little guy is Howard, right? Right. Howard was taken from him um, and exploited by Marvel Comics. Right. And, and so Duke Duck is kind of the... The the guy who's going to go out and avenge. Yeah, right? he's almost like a Che Guevara style revolutionary duck. Um, I just want to jump in here real mm-hmm. quick. In the 1970s, um, uh, they were owned by uh, an interest called Cadence Industries. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Martin ex- Goodman. Martin yes. Goodman uh, sold Marvel um, in 1968 while right. they were producing 50 million yeah. comics a year. Yep. Um, he ended his distribution deal with independent magazines uh, by signing with another circulation company called Curtis Circulation Company. Right. Um, and um, uh, it sold eventually to the Perfect Film and Chemical Corporation. Right. And Goodman eventually. That was, that was, that was the company that essentially was Maybelline. Yes. Right? When they were owned by, made yes. by the makeup company. Yeah. And uh, Goodman retired as publisher in 72, installed his son Chip. 
And then uh, eventually Stan Lee took over from Chip, and then Roy Thomas became the first editor-in-chief after mm-hmm. Stan. So yep. there's that for you. Um, and then, of course, Martin Goodman went on to try to refound, uh, do Atlas Comics in the 70s. Which and, was their branding in the 1950s, right, right. and then that was a big mess. Yep. And so they, they're they still threatening a comeback, by the way. Oh, they are. Yeah, yes. I know. Atlas, I heard. Atlas I heard. Oh, God. I heard. Yeah. Um, so. That's another show. <laughs> that's, again, another show. So um, as we continue to, to talk a little bit about um, Gerber. So part of the Destroyer Duck comic was partially made to help raise funds for Gerber for his lawsuit. Right. Exactly. So a huge part of the funding of that went to the, to, to the lawsuit um, for ownership of his character. Now. How did that end? Well, it ended with essentially an out of court settlement, yep. right? They Marvel and Steve Gerber came to a settlement. Um, the the details that settlement ha, that settlement have never been made public. We don't exactly know what happened, but we do know that Marvel did retain full ownership rights of Howard the Duck, the character. During that time, though, for a long time after, when they anytime they did use Howard the Duck, they got Steve Gerber to write him. Right, that so they, was that was the that was the arrangement. Right, that that essentially Steve Gerber still maintained kind of editorial control over the character. Well, you know, creator control. I yeah, mean, you know, editorial editorial were like the gatekeepers. Yeah. So if there was going to be a Howard story, it was going to be Steve Gerber by the stipulations. A lot of this stuff is shrouded by confidentiality agreements, right. also. Right. So it it makes the history a little smoky mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. peer through, but. That was essentially the deal. Right. During this time, I mean, Steve Gerber continued to work through the 80s, through the 90s. Image comics becomes a thing in the 90s, yep. right? In the early 90s, we've talked on this ep- on this show a few times about Image Comics, the creation of Image Comics. Um, but, of course, they were the champions of creator rights, right? Yep. Um, in this time, they got Steve Gerber to do a number of stories for them. Um, they would, because they all saw Steve Gerber as a hero, right? right. For, for creator rights. He was one of the first guys. Yep. So he did a number of works. Um some of the early, some of the earliest image works that he did, I, I love. There's a the the first um, the first cybernary story. Oh yeah, which was the backup. Was yeah, which was the backup to the Deathblow books. Um, and it's it's honestly one of the it's quietly one of the best early image stories. Yes. Um, and that was Nick Manabat on art doing that, who unfortunately passed away young. But oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. he only did the first Cybernare. He passed away before they did. Oh, wow. I think the second one. Yeah. Okay. So he. Um, um, but Gerber continued to run with uh, the Cybernary story for a while. Okay. But during the so point being that Gerber got to know all the image guys, right? Yep. So in the mid to, in the mid nineties in ninety five ninety six era, um, Steve Gerber gets a call from Marvel, and Marvel tells him we want to do a new Howard the Duck story, mm-hmm. and so they hire him to do so. Um, at around the same time, he was also working on he had started work with Eric Larson at Image on a story uh, to revamp Destroyer Duck. Yes, right. So Eric Larson came up with this. I told basically told Steve Gerber, "Hey, we should do a crossover. Yeah. We should find a way to cross these two comics over um, and and have them uh, interact in some right. way, right? Because he's right. writing both Duck stories for the two different companies at the same time." Um, 
And Steve Gerber makes it a stipulation of him being hired at Marvel. He tells the editors, hey, I want to do this crossover idea. Um, either you let me do it or I'm not doing your book. Right. Yeah. So they tell him, yep, that's fine. It was Tom Brevoort approved yep. it, said we're good to go. Um, so this is also during the reign of Bob Harris, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was very much the Marvel company man at this time. Right. And so this was also um, w- an interesting side note of this is so kind of what affected the story is we've again talked a little bit about the heroes reborn era of Marvel. Oh. Um, during that, that <laughs> while they were starting to ramp up that heroes reborn stuff, Steve Gerber finds out that they had all these weird plans for Howard the duck. Yeah. And they wanted to put him in other stories in Gen X stories and some other stuff. Yep. He didn't really like that. Um, he didn't, they weren't going to include him, blah, blah, blah. But point being that, Steve Gerber finds out that they're going to do this. So yeah. he tells Eric, he goes back with Eric, Eric Larson and tells him, I'm done. I'm not going to do that Howard story from Marvel. Eric Larson, at least according to the story that Eric Larson claims yep. that he said, he told Steve Gerber at this time, wait a minute, you have an opportunity here to do something that has never been done. Right. And he says, I think that you need to continue to do the Marvel story and we got to do the crossover plan, but let's, let's tweak it a little bit, right? Now we're entering the phase of the story that we like to call grand theft duck. Yeah. Yeah. So, so (laughs) this is where they hatch, (laughs) hatch, nice pun. I see what you did there. This is where they hatch a plan (laughs) to, um, basically try to steal the character of Howard the duck back from Marvel in what, you know, could be a creator crime of the century. That's right. right. That's right. Um, and in doing so, the weird part is that these two books almost had nothing to do with each other. They're completely kind of separate stories for the most part, but they both involve Steve Gerber characters, but Marvel versions of Steve Gerber characters, um, Eric Larson yep. and, um, and Steve Gerber's characters on the image side. And who was the guy that did the art on that book? That was... Um, on which one? On the Marvel on one? The, no, on the image. On the it was set. penciled by Chris Marinan. That's right. But it was inked, and inked by Eric Larson. That's right. Right. So um, It looks very Eric Larson. So if you're does. a fan, you yeah. will definitely like that. Yeah, it definitely looks image... Actually, I was kind of thinking... It looks kind of in the layouts and stuff. This book looks kind of McFarlane-y almost in some almost, ways. Almost, yeah. Um, but but with that Eric Larson E, yeah. right? And um, but anyway, so I should. I, I guess I didn't actually say we did say that we're doing the um, Spider-Man team up number five, right? <laughs> I guess we should have said <laughs> it, that. It is, it is the it is the backup story of Spider-Man team up number five. But in even in a backup story, it's like sorry 20, about that, Curtis. Right? <laughs> this <laughs> it, is the first episode where we blew it on that. That's uh, all good. It's um it's Spider-Man team up number five, um which uh, which was written by Steve Gerber as we already said. Yep. Uh, art by James Fry, ink by Chris Ivy. Um, colors by Tom Smith, um, lettered by Bill Oakley. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, just real quick aside, mm-hmm. James Fry did the art on Fabian Nissier's, uh, uh, on the Fabian Nissier's a nomad series in the 90, in the nineties. And he was a guy whose art I really dug. You know, it was uh, a little cartoony kind of uh, reminiscent of Scott McDaniel's work. If you're a fan of his, so if you can find a book with James Fry uh, art on it uh, from the 90s, I think you'll really dig it. Cool. So yes, the the, the backup story is called Sideshow. And it's kind of about um, Spider-Man teaming up with Howard the Duck. 
Now, the second story, the image story, is actually, um, it's called Savage Dragon Destroyer Duck Number 1, okay? And the cover, of course, has is a very 90s image, you know, Savage Dragon and Destroyer Duck using their guns to blast everyone. Yeah, it's, oh my God, the 90s, big guns. All right. Through a series of events um, with... Howard and Spider-Man, they and, and and some other Gerber characters, as, as the aforementioned Elf with a Gun, makes quite an appearance in this story. You should just look up on the internet, Elf with a Gun. You'll oh, he's be, one of my favorite am, characters. You'll be amused. Yeah, no, it's so absurd. It's great. Um, and also, Scarlet Spider, or Ben Riley makes appearance in this story as yep. well. Um, but essentially, they get drug out to a warehouse out in the middle of nowhere to try to fight some crime. Now, in the Destroyer Duck story... Um, kind of the same thing that they're, they're fighting, they're fighting, they're, um, you know, chasing down bad guys. There's actually the Ninja Turtles make an appearance in their story as well. That's right. Um, but as you kind of go through, they also get led out to this same warehouse, right? Right. And this is where, because essentially what you find out is that both the Marvel story of the ducks and spiders and the image story of the ducks and dragons are kind of fighting two sides of the same coin, kind of evil, yep. evil bad guy coin, right? Fighting it from two, fighting the villain from two different ends, basically. Right, right. And this is, of course, Savage Dragon's a cop, right? So he's kind of doing this as a detective, right? Um and essentially what happens is they all meet up in the warehouse. Yep. And, and each one, like on the image side, you, you see Spider-Man, but you never see him clearly, you know? Yeah, you, and, you can see the outline of him. So you definitely get the red and blue right. with the black webbing, but you don't see the face of the character. Right. It's and it's the same on the Marvel side. Like yep. you see the outline of the dragon yep. or the duck or destroyer duck, but right. you don't actually like get clear images, right? So there's a couple pages in each book where they kind of cross over in this point yep and what happens is in the marvel story which which was done first essentially they escape out of this warehouse after this meeting howard and and spider-man and everyone escape out of the warehouse and all is good boom after they meet right yeah no problem cool okay but then then this is where the fun (laughs) this is where the fun begins because this is where in the image story, the Im- the other side of the which, crossover. Which, and can I just say real quick yeah. before you get started into that, I, I, I don't know exactly how many pages that image book is, mm-hmm. but it is the full comic book. So yeah. let's say, I'm just going to throw out a number, 22 pages. No, it's, it's like a 46. It's, it's oh, long. Oh, is, is yeah. it that? It's a full double size. It felt yeah. long when I read it. Um, so, okay, so it's a double size issue. It's 40-something pages. The Howard was technically a backup story. Uh, in, in the, the Spider-Man, in the Spider-Man, yeah. in the Spider-Man team up. So what was that? A ten, fifteen pager? Uh, it was probably. I think, but see that Spider-Man team up was also a fifty-page book. So it was a double size. So, so it was probably a okay. full size story. As Fair well. enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, shit. I don't know anything. So, <laughs> well, you keep going, and I'll just sit here and watch. All righty. So okay. So this is where they meet up in the. I'm going to also book. just real quick keep your cat from eating That's all the all right. cables here. Yep. So. <laughs> maybe maybe she'll meow and make an appearance on the show one yeah. day. <laughs> Which one is this, by this the way? Sassy the cat. Sassy. Yep. She loves my soundboard. Yeah, she does. So. Okay, but we're talking about ducks, not cats. So, in the image book, what happens here is that they show that the 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 mystical whatever guy, happens the, in an image book. Uh, one of the mystical bad guys takes Howard and creates a ton of clones of him. Yes. Like, 
like a hundred replicas, right? Right. To try to like confuse and get all these. Uh, I mean, and you see, there's a there's a splash page with tons of ducks, and there's like a Superman duck. There's you know, there's uh, ducks of all different shapes and sizes. He he essentially makes tons of ducks, all clones, yes. right? And at this point, now see, we don't see this in the Marvel. We don't see this part uh-huh. in the Marvel. This is like a behind the scenes of what's going on while the Marvel stuff's happening, and in doing so. The destroyer duck and Savage Dragon grab the real Howard the Duck yep. and run off with him. They they save him out of the warehouse when they save him. Where and that the Howard that was left in the Marvel one was just one of the random one clones. of the, the evil masterminds random clones. One yes. of the, one of the random clone ducks, right? And what they do, so so this is where the brilliance comes in. <laughs> this too. is this part is, is great. brilliant. So the story then goes on the again on the image side. The story then goes that when you see the duck again, when you see Howard, quote unquote, right? He's now a different color. He's a he, green. He's a mallard, basically. Yep. yep. He's he's now colored differently. Yes. Um. His and his girlfriend uh, um, has gotten her hair redone. Everyone yep. looks a little different. Yep. He's got different clothes. Um. But the word is that because you know now that he's like a known you know criminal or he's, he's a um like fugitive. He's on the run. Yes. From he, this cloning scientist, right? Evil scientist. That they have to put him in the witness protection program. <laughs> So and they have so, to change his name. Yep, they have to change his name. They have to dye his hair, and he becomes Leonard the Duck. <laughs> right? It's so he great. changes his name to Leonard. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely great. I love it. I'm almost crying. Here. <laughs> it's so great. And, and and of course, Howard's girlfriend changes her name to Rhonda Martini. Yep. And um, this is how we get essentially Steve Gerber stole his character of Howard the Duck yep. back. Yep. From Marvel through this story that was approved essentially by Marvel. Um, they didn't necessarily know what was going on the image side, but they right. knew what was happening on their side and they yep. knew it would cross over. And so, so let's, let's, let's not bury the lead here. Mm-hmm. They did not technically commit a crime. Right. Not technically. Because Marvel still has in, in Marvel Prime in Marvel's Earth, eyes, in, yeah. in our Earth... Uh, Marvel has the trademark and copyright for Howard the Duck, which mm-hmm. is now owned by Disney, and everything's hunky dory ducky over there. Yep. Um, however, they have an in story in Savage Dragon continuity event. Yep. Where the character that appeared to be Howard the Duck from their side of the crossover. Right. Stayed in their universe. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> I mean, just, it's it's the yeah, audacity the, of coming up with a story like that is just phenomenal, right? No, it's great. I mean, I mean, they took they had an opportunity and they took it, yeah. right? And and I mean, it, it was it's 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 an opportunity that wouldn't come around very often, right? right. Um, and most editors um, probably wouldn't have allowed this to necessarily happen quite as Tom Brevoort kind of. I mean, again, he didn't know what Gerber was going to do, right? But he signed off on the crossover, yeah, and he approved the Marvel side of that crossover. That's right, right. Um, so it, it's it's kind of a, it was. It's Steve Gerber, you know, thumbing his nose, right? And and let's be honest here. You know, 
what did Marvel lose? Marvel lost nothing. No, no, they, they didn't. They lost nothing. No. And they get, now they get to play. It was basically Steve Gerber's great way. I mean, if anything, it was Steve Gerber's great way of cutting the cord with Marvel once yep. and for all at this point. Yep. Um, there are rumored, there's a number of rumored stories about this. There are people who said that, that, I've I've read reports saying Tom Brevoort was quite angry once he saw the yeah. What I read uh, was is that Brevoort was worried that he was going to lose his job because he was just a frontline editor mm-hmm, at that mm-hmm. point. Yep. Um, obviously, he didn't since he's a senior vice president <laughs> at Marvel now. He's but, done okay for himself. But yeah, so it's a it's a little bit of a fun little heist. It's a fun game to play. Um, the the. The Gerber heads out there, the, the hardcore fans of Steve Gerber, they know the truth. Yes. They believe the truth. They, they they believe this to be in continuity Howard the Duck and now lives outside of Marvel. Yep. Um, and that Marvel's Howard the Duck is just a random Howard the Duck clone. That's right. Um, and I think it, I mean, it's just absolutely brilliant, if you ask me. I, I think that it's, you know, because to, to the Steve Gerbers of the world and to, to the his fan base, they get they get some, at least a little bit of consolation. Yes. Right. And, and Steve Gerber did it in, in a very Steve Gerber way. Exactly. It was, he was able to stick it to the man that one last time. Right. Basically. Right. And, um, I believe Leonard showed up once or twice in, in a few other small roles in, um, indie comics after that, but not really. It wasn't really about getting the character back. It was, as you said, about sticking it to, yeah. to Marvel, yeah. right? And that's really all it was. And I think that it's absolutely fun, and it's absolutely brilliant. And and it was absolutely harmless. It was a prank. You know, and that's, that's what's so great about this entire thing, mm-hmm. is that he was able... Okay, so he was essentially... He took the deal in court... Mm-hmm. He did, he was, he played the good citizen, but at the same point, you know, he was left with a certain sense of dissatisfaction, went to work at DC, did some other indie comic stuff. He bopped around the business, but you know, there was this unfulfilled part of his, of his creative being that needed to be filled or at least mm-hmm. needed to be spackled over and, right. and, and healed once and for all. And well, I mean, it almost feels like did he does he I mean, because he felt like they were going to do more injustices to Howard. And so he was trying to save right. his character, you right? know, in, in a way that that made sense for him. And like I said before, it wasn't like he was going to change the legal. But what he did change was is he, he changed the creative path for that character mm-hmm. so that Marvel couldn't say with the straight face or at least in his mind, couldn't say with the straight face that uh, uh, the cat has now joined us on the table at this point. <laughs> Sassy, do you have anything to say? No. No. no okay. She's just rubbing herself on her laptop. She is, okay. she is marking her territory. Fantastic. Don't drink from my water. <laughs> um, but but essentially, you know, uh, I'm, I, Sassy has just decided to insert herself in the conversation, which is kind of like tipped over my train of thought. Uh, see a sassy. Okay. All right, off the table. <laughs> she was gently put down for any animal activists out there. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is that you know he was able to illustrate a point, mm-hmm. and the point is, is that you can only screw over creators so much that we can do things creatively. Mm-hmm. Where in my mind, I can completely justify that Leonard the Duck is the former Howard right. the Duck hiding in the witness security program. Right, and that's it. You know, and yep. you can't take that away from me. Nope. 
And that's what's so great about it. For free thinkers no. everywhere, you can't take our thoughts and belief systems away from us. Only we can do that to ourselves. And I think there's some real philosophical implications to what they did that you can you can sit back and look at, or you could see that it's one hell of a college prank. Yep. <laughs> you know, so so I, I, I want to read a, just a tiny bit. So at the end of this issue of Destroyer Duck, Eric Larson writes a big letter, yep. um, kind of telling the story. And, and here's how he ends it, and I just love this. He says, And so the sob story became a revenge scheme. Screw them. Steve, let's grab the sucker and let's make a run for the border. And for once, the creation has been taken back by the creator. The machine is, dis- is diminished as another blow is struck for creator- creative rights. I don't know if they'll even notice or care, but I care, damn it. Steve cares, and that's what matters. Yep. And I just love that. I, God, you know... And that's the thing. Say what you want to about Eric Larson. Mm-hmm. The guy can be kind of a flamethrower mm-hmm. out there. But I'll tell you this. Uh, Eric Larson gives a damn about creator's rights. Um, I think of all of the image founders that he is the one that probably believed the most in their own mandate. And when they set up uh, what it was that they became. And good for Eric Larson mm-hmm. and to, to really help drive home that point to a lot of comics creators today. I mean, hell, Will, you're putting out your own indie anthology yep. here, working with other creators. And, you know, this, this can't help but, I think, ring positively for people um, who are venturing into the comics industry, whether they're going to do work for hire right. or whether they're going to try and, and make the way with their own creations. And that, I mean, and that leads to that larger work for hire, um, you know, creator ownership, those kind of contract questions. And one thing that uh, I found interesting, it's a little bit of an aside from this, but something that's come out of it is um, I recently, in not the most recent comics journal, the one before it, mm-hmm. um, they, there was a big article about the, about the, um, the Creator Bill of Rights and, the, and the, the Creators Guild and all that, that that they attempted to start. Yep. And one of the things that they make, the point that they make that's really interesting is that he writes that really the, the, the problem with these whole situations in his view is that he believes that the creator should be considered employees. And as long as they're hired as full-time employees, then work for hire no longer becomes a question. Right. Right. Because by definition, if you're an employee, your work, you know, your work for hire. But so, so the companies have spent all this time trying to find, to, to balance a way where they can still get ownership of work for hire, but not hire these people as employees. Right. And it's really kind of a, it's really where a lot of the, the, the problems come from and these contract disputes. And I mean, it's, it's a big mess. It's a mess still to this day, but because of the work of people like Steve Gerber, because of the work of people of champions like Neil Adams and Dave Sim and uh, Frank Miller and John Byrne later and Jack Kirby. I mean, because, because of them, the, the creators now are smarter. Yes. Right. And they don't, they know what they're getting into with Marvel. They have the ability to push back on these contracts. That's right. Um, they know how to, how they, to stipulate these contracts in such a way. Exactly. You know, there's going to be no surprises like Alan Moore got with Watchmen. Right. You know, I, I was somebody who, who 
you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm bringing up Watchmen on Marvel show here, mm-hmm. but but you know, it's a famous example of a creator getting screwed. And there was many years where I defended DC mm-hmm. until I really read uh, a lot of different. Um, uh, even-tempered pieces because, right. you know, a lot of comics journalism is opinion. Yes. And, you know, it took uh, more reading uh, from a historical bent to really understand how Alan Moore got screwed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because, look, DC is doing their fiduciary duty by continuing publishing Watchmen. Well, you know... The other reason why they're doing it is, is so that they can keep the, the copyright and trademarks mm-hmm. for the characters essentially in perpetuity by publishing the book once right. every two right. years. You know, so now creators are educating themselves not just on creator rights, but what their rights are as far as publishing their creations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, they might sound like the same thing, but they're really no. different things. It's, it, 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 it's a, it was a harsh business lesson. For many creatives to yep. learn, yep. So you know, it, it's made it more difficult to navigate. Um, it's it's no, it take it takes more brains to it, when it to go in. Lot. I mean, yeah. uh, if you if you, uh, I'm a big fan of the cartoonist cafe podcast, yep. which is you know Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg, who are both awesome cartoonists. Yep. And one thing Ed talks about it because he's worked for Marvel. He did most famously the X Men Grand Design series for right. Marvel, which are awesome. They're yep. amazing books. Yep, and. Um, one of the things he talked about is he had no problem with it because he said, look, he went in, here's my demands, you meet them or I don't do it, right? right? And they were able to work out a deal and he said, okay, as long as you, you know, you do your part of it. And he, he flat out said it's, he was fine with it because they have their contract or we have our contract, they do their thing, I do my thing and as long as we all do it, then everyone's good. That's right. right? And um, he goes in with the, he went in with the stipulation of what kind of paper it was going to be printed on, right? right? What size, what coloring, right? Those kind of things um, he demanded from the get-go, right? Yes. And he he knows to do this because of the lessons that he learned, exactly. right? From the people like Steve Gerber's of the world, yep. right? And I mean, that's part of what makes, you know, the respect for this kind of heist for the duck heist, such a big kind of such a big thing. (laughs) Well, you know, and if it wasn't for the war, you know, principally we're, you know, we're discussing Steve Gerber. One of the biggest talents over at Marvel right now is, is Jonathan Hickman, Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. has, I think, tremendous body of independent comics work. Yep. Um, But he's also able to supplement that, by putting together these these intricate, beautifully detailed and, and graphically wonderful pieces of art mm-hmm. uh, over at Marvel, uh, first with Avengers and his right. Infinity Saga and Secret War, uh, and now with the Dawn of X, House of X right. crossovers, yep, uh, and and the subsequent books that have spawned out of them. You know, he's a guy who has definitely benefited. From the the education miseducation yep. of his forebears, like Steve Gerber, yep. you and, know. I mean, and that's Hickman's a good example of, and 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 this is something again that Ed's talked about on on the Cartoonist Kayfabe podcast, where he talks about. Um, you know, he's totally cool with the like kind of one for you, one for me model. Like I'll do a book for the big two yep. and that pays for me to do my book. Exactly. The the book I want to do independently, yep. right? And do it exactly how I want to do it and to, through my publisher and through every, you know, and, and as long as, you know, these creators kind of go in with that, that understanding and Marvel, you know, not just Marvel, the big two, the big companies have, have gotten to where the creators have pushed back. They know it at this point. Yep. And I mean, I wouldn't, 
I'm not going to say that, that there's not moments where they're still trying to slide something past. I can't say that. <laughs> but what I can say is that they, like, like Ed has talked about, there's an understanding. You do your part, I do my part, and everyone's happy. And a lot of editors come up from the ranks of being creators themselves at right. one point. So in a way, if, if you have the backing of publishing behind you, chances are they're gonna they're going to want to uh, fight for you creatively and and see that you get a fair shake from the lawyers uh, yep. <laughs> who who work in the the uh, the higher floors of the building. So cool, yeah. Well, so well, so I know we didn't break down the issues like step by step. I I don't think that was necessary because really the rest of the issues don't have anything to do with each right. other. Right. Not not really a whole lot. But we will talk a little bit. Um, we 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 have more episodes planned to come out in the coming months. We right. we do come out uh, about the first Monday or Tuesday of every month. Usually yep. is when Curtis drops us on the feed. Um, so this has been episode six. So for episode seven, uh, I was thinking that we could jump back to the original crossover. Oh, so so the very first kind of quote-unquote canonical crossover between Marvel and DC. What? Yeah, the the Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man from 1976. Oh, my girl. Yeah, no, go back to the old school. <laughs> that <laughs> we, is fantastic. Well, we've spent, you know, the, we've spent a lot of time in the 90s and 2000s over the past few episodes, so let's, let's, go, let's go all the way back again. Back to the Bronze Age, right. baby. Yep. Deep, deep. 1976, that's Ooh. deep bronze age. Oh, I yep. love that. That's what, I mean, I was, I was uh, seven years old-ish. <laughs> yeah, well, I was not even born yet, so. This was before your time, <laughs> That's right, whippersnapper. That's right. But I am very familiar with the, the early crossovers. Oh, my gosh. This, oh, my God. The, this book, I can't wait for you guys to, I mean, look it up. Find this yep. at your comic shops. Find this on the digital services, the ones that you pay for, because paying for comics is is getting good comics. Um, but go out there, get this book. It is a time capsule uh, into the the Bronze Age of comics, which mm-hmm. is probably my favorite era of comics. Period. Yep. Um, just absolutely love it. Okay, so good choice, Will. Cool. I'm going to go dive into my back stock at home and <laughs> find it. Dig pull it out. that baby out. I do want a quick. I do want to note one quick thing before we before okay. we cancel out. Um, so something that, and this is kind of a breaking news type situation. Okay. Yep. Right. 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 So after after a million years, the twelfth issue of of uh, Doomsday Clock came yes. out, right? Yes. Um, and now this is a DC series that centers around Dr. Manhattan uh, in multiple universes. Essentially, Jeff Johns, you know, at the on the surface is, what if you bring Watchmen into the DCU? Right. Find but, a way to do that. Find right? a way to do that. Um, and Jeff Johns made it about a lot more than that. Right. Um, and it, it's been out. It's taken a long time to get through this, but each issue, there's always been something really interesting. Yep. Um, one of the things that came out of this issue in the crossover realm is that there's a point where Dr. Manhattan says, and, and I'm going to read this to you. He says, have you read the issue yet? I have read okay. the issue. All right. Um, so, and hopefully by the time this issue, this episode comes out, it, the issue would have been out for a little while. Right. So, um, but Dr. Manhattan says on July 10th, 2030, the secret crisis begins throwing Superman into a brawl across the universe with Thor himself and a green behemoth stronger than Doomsday who dies protecting Superman from these invaders. In its wake, Superman's timeline shifts forward again. Yes. 
Now, there are many who suspect that this is some kind of hint towards another possible crossover. I mean, if there were to be another crossover, it would break the internet. Yeah. I, I, I really <laughs> think, you know, Joe Quesada used to be famous for, oh, this year's announcement, San Diego is going to break the internet. Right. Well, that would break the internet if they were to do a multi-issue and have it be a full Red Sky crisis. Oh, no, that'd be amazing. It'd be amazing to see a Superman, you know, uh, I mean, like, essentially, I I love the idea of this this secret crisis. I love the idea, you know, that that Thor and and Green Behemoth, quote-unquote, Hulk would, you know, have to save Superman's life in some way. Um, And the idea that Dr. Manhattan could be involved in this as well. Yeah. Right? See, DC has, with this buildup of Dr. Manhattan, they have the the ultimate wild card, right? They can use him to do almost anything they need to do. He breaks, he's a character sort of like the Beyonder. Yep. Or at least they put him in the Beyonder style role where... This is the, this is a singular character who's omnipotent and can break the con- rules and conventions yep. of the comic book universe. Yep. So that's just off the off the the brand new desk, you know, um, something that maybe there'll be something to look forward to in the near future. And hey, if not, you know what you can do if you're superhero tabletop role players. Go yep. break out your mutants and masterminds or or your old Marvel superheroes role playing game or whatever and go play it and make your own stories. Right. That could be really cool. Awesome. So that that pretty much wraps up everything we got for this episode, I believe. So uh Jim, why don't you tell people where they can find you? So you can find your old pal Jimmers at Jimmers. That's Jimmers with three M's on Twitter. You can find me at Jimmers with five M's on Instagram. It's not a dead feed. I just like to <laughs> read the Instas. I don't post a whole lot, but I, I'm there. And I'm on Facebook, uh, Jim Mason, Northern California. People say I look like the lead singer of the Spin Doctors, but fat. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I've never thought that, but that might work for an so, app description. <laughs> there was a there was a guy who actually said that to my face. Oh, uh, uh, well. <laughs> all right then. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how he got to that and uh but he did. So anyway, where will where the, can they find you? Uh I'm most active talking comics on Twitter under Golden Boy Photo 1 if you search for that and give me a follow. Um that's pretty much I I almost exclusively post stuff about comics and you know comic related things that i'm working on um we also though use on twitter the hashtag epic mar or epic crossover so um go ahead and post things under epic crossover and we'll see them Uh, let us know what you think about the episodes give us feedback or give us ideas yeah give us ideas well you know this is something we've done this is our sixth episode now they're coming out monthly look, we've got a list of things that we want to touch base with. Mm -hmm. But if you have an idea, I have a feeling that Will, in his infinite wisdom, (laughs) being the captain of this particular ship, (laughs) I'm, I'm sort of the Scotty to his Kirk here. Um, He's the miracle worker. I'm the miracle worker that's putting all the (laughs) shit together here. Oh, I potty mouth my bad. Um, But uh, I have a feeling you'd put it to the front of the uh, front of the front of the line. Yep, yep. So let us know what you let us know what you want to hear, and we'll 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 see what we can do about breaking that down. Fantastic. Cool. So until next time, read more comics. Bye bye. (laughs) 